Hey, it's ass butt. It's ass butt time, baby. It's, it's been a long time. We yeah. go yes, and um, there's a very good reason for that. Someone it, salted our bones. We yeah. were tired. <laughs> it's not us. It's you. It's definitely us. Well, yeah. it's the holidays. <laughs> it was the holidays. Yeah. We're back from our holiday hiatus. Yeah. And we missed yeah. you guys. How? What's changed in your life? I hope everyone's doing well. Was Kathy a bitch at Christmas? I bet she was. Oh, God. Fuck Kathy. You know? Fuck her. I hope, I hope no one is. <laughs> That's one line that just needs to end. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're here. And, you know, it's been a while. I hope we can just jump back into the saddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. With that being said, Benjamin, I, I think you had a suggestion for what we should talk about tonight. Oh, uh, what's y'all's favorite sandwiches, like, currently? Oh, oh, I love this question. And I love sandwiches. I I figured, like, to ease us back into the podcastery dance, we would need to go back to our bread and butter, if you will, and talk about food. But I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not a big butter on sandwiches person, but I like the way you think. It can be tasty with the right accoutrements. You're yeah. right. You're right. Um, do you want to get started first, Benjamin, since you're the person who suggested this? Uh, very, very plain and simple. This is, honestly, I don't see this answer changing for a hot minute, but I don't know if either of you have had a sandwich from Jersey Mike's. I love Jersey Mike's. I love Jersey Mike's. God, it's so good. If you get their Italian and you get it Mike's way with, uh, the, I think it's like a cherry pepper relish. Son of a bitch, it's fucking good. Oh, it's good and spicy. It's one of those sandwiches, like, every once in a while, I want that colossal one just because I need to eat my weight in food because I'm not feeling great. And son of a bitch, it's tasty. I really like Jersey Mike's meatball subs. I haven't tried it yet. You know what? I respect the creator of the meatball sub because there was a person who was like, hey... What if we made a sandwich that was near impossible for a grown human to eat without <laughs> spilling sauce all over themselves, without taking a full meatball to the crotch? I think if I had to judge sandwiches based on like difficulty eating, it would be number one, incredibly tall sandwich from Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. A fucking Doonesbury sandwich. Yeah. Um,. Number two, uh, sandwiches that I don't like, <laughs> which is none that are coming. To, I'm going to say sandwiches with avocado because I'm not a big avocado person. Okay. But that's just a personal preference. Obviously, if you like avocado, that doesn't make your ranking. And number three, meatball subs because holy shit, round things are not meant to be eaten in a bread package. Yeah. It, Combined with, right with how bread, saucy yeah. it is. That being said, I can't stay away. I love a good yeah. meatball sub. It's a dance of danger think, every time, and I always take the hand that's being offered to me. I think there's an art to the meatball sub, yeah, yeah. and, and I think a lot of it involves trapping the meatballs under the melted mozzarella mm-hmm. as to p- procure their spot in the sandwich mm-hmm. you know so I, they're not just rolling around all loosey-goosey in there. You know what I, I like you? to do? What you got? 
I like to cut the sub up to where you're essentially getting like a little sub divide it by ball, right? Mm. So you got three balls and a little hoagie. You got three little hoagies that you, you make three slices. Three well, balls make, and a little hoagie. You make two slices, <laughs> <laughs> make two slices around the balls. Mm-hmm. And then I pop it into my mouth all at once. Fair enough. And my mouth is stuffed full of balls at that point because it's too much. It's too big. But that's how you got to do it sometimes. And then you just got to fucking... That's how you know you got some meaty balls. <laughs> some meaty balls in your face. Yeah. Can I give you my meatball pro tip? Okay. All right. So I feel like the best meatball subs are made at home because that's where you could just eat them naked and let the sauce fall on you and someone else <laughs> licks it off of you. Yes. Wait, and someone else? Not wait. yourself? What do you mean? I'm not that flexible. You mean you don't take one of the meatballs out of the sub and then use it as a vehicle to scrape the sauce off your body and then back into the sandwich and then you eat it? Oh, no. There's bread like on Lord, the table that take they feed me. Take a shower, you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a but, bath. You know what? Honestly, this game was lost when we're eating meatball subs at home. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> There's no dandy anymore. There's just you in the sub. Damn right. But yeah, so you make it at home and you cut the meatballs in half and you also dig into the bread a little bit just so the bread can help trap the meatballs a little bit easier. Uh, So it's serendipitous that we're talking about meatball subs because I recently tried the impossible meatballs. And let me tell you, those are so fucking good. I believe it. Impossible and those, meat is pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I had it with just spaghetti and meatballs. But as I was eating it with my homemade tomato sauce, mm. I was like, you know what? These would make fucking banging meatball subs. Hell yeah. I and, yeah. would like to eat that sandwich. So... I'm I'm gonna do it some someday, as you should. What what what's your favorite sandwich, Travis? My favorite sandwich is the Italian sub from Publix. Fuck yeah! Oh yes, yeah. I love a good pub sub. Pub, pub sub. sub. Pub sub. I mean, like Publix sandwiches are already pretty top tier, but there's just something about the Italian sub. I get it cold. Yeah. Um. Because there's something about like an Italian sandwich, like it, the Italian sandwich can be good hot, mm-hmm. but I think especially if you're kind of like on the go, uh, you know, you're a busy guy in the busy city, and um, city. you don't want you don't Florence? want those sweaty you don't want those sweaty meats dripping out of your sandwich onto your tie. You don't want those sweaty meatballs. Yeah, I'm sorry, wait, tie. <laughs> and um, what are you talking about? Who so I just get a cold cold Italian sandwich. And it's especially good if you can, I if you can get them to add some gabagool, really sopranos it up. Fuck yeah! Get that capicola, baby. Yeah. I am gonna move away from subs real quick and say I appreciate a good uh, turkey on rye. It's not a bad mm. sandwich. Or pastrami. Yeah. Oh god, let me tell you about a sandwich I had in uh, Palm Springs. 
uh, I went to Sherman's Delicatessen. Uh, it is an old, like, New York-style Jewish deli out in the fucking desert. And the sandwiches were, like, Doonesbury style. Just thick. Oh. Three C's, spaces in between, fucking delicious. I had a Reuben with uh, pastrami on it instead of corned beef. Holy shit, it kicks up my chest. And the fries. That sounds awesome. Everything about it. I had an egg cream for the first time. Have y'all had an egg cream before? Oh, an egg cream. It's basically a milkshake that has an egg cracked into it, right? No. Or it's like a soda with an egg. Something I know it has like a real egg in it. It's got a real egg in it, but it's more like fucking, it's like a carbonated Yoo-Hoo. Oh. And it's fucking tasty. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you see a place with an egg cream, I highly suggest trying a chocolate one. It's a pretty damn good time. Oh, it's it's basically like a malt. Mm-hmm. It's like a malt drink with a egg, with an egg in it. Yeah. Do they? Is it the thing where they like? Is it the whites that make it the way it is, or is it just like like mix an egg up in there? I'm pretty sure it's just the whites. Uh, they were okay. super busy, and I couldn't ask anybody about it, and because like they were always pretty like slammed whenever like we went in there, because mm-hmm. like very rarely do we ever as a family find a restaurant that we want to go to, like five times in the two weeks that we're at a place, but that's yeah. how many times we went to Sherman's in two weeks. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I really wish we had a Jewish deli in Huntsville. Yes. We don't. Oh. Which makes me so sad. Yeah. But it would be amazing. I saw a pretty funny TikTok today where somebody um, was eating, like, honey bunches of oats cereal, and they uh, couldn't use oat milk because you do not, um, it's not kosher to boil a child in its mother's milk. (laughs) or cook a child in its mother's milk i can't remember the exact line but i was like that's good that's a good joke that is a good joke good job (laughs) it was funny okay uh more sandwiches please i want to hear more about these sandwiches Oh, fuck um, I, I love a good barbecue brisket sandwich. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good. Like, uh, in the same van as, like, you know, corned beef I, pastrami, but, like, barbecue brisket, so I wondered good. when we are going to get to barbecue because, you know, we got to talk about it. Oh, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Barbecue is the best. It's so yeah. good. <sighs> fuck, I really want some barbecue right now. I like chicken. I like barbecue chicken. Yeah. Oh, I feel lied to. Eggs cream have neither egg nor cream. What? It is literally just chocolate milk with soda water. Oh, well, we that can explains make that one. right now. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, well, we can. okay. I don't have chocolate milk or soda water. I also, that just... sounds disgusting. Oh, it comes from a Yiddish word. Ekt, ekt meaning genuine or real. And it's supposed to mean, like, good cream. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, back to barbecue sandwiches. Yeah, anyways. Back to barbecue sandwiches. That's the name of the episode. Back to barbecue sandwiches. Oh, God. Some days I just want to drown myself in Alabama white sauce. Oh, yes. Let the the white sauce take me to the maker. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I 
love barbecue sandwiches, especially with like onions and pickles. However, fuck a mayonnaise-based coleslaw. I will not allow it on my sandwich. Oh hell no! I'll allow. You can burn in hell. A vinegar-based coleslaw. Hell yes. I'll so. allow vinegar-based coleslaws on my plate mm-hmm. and on my sandwich. Yeah, I like. I like a little bit of the vinegar coleslaw. Adds a little crunch. Yeah. Like, because without the coleslaw, it's just such a soft sandwich. It's like you don't even have to swallow it or like you don't even have to chew it almost. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the little the the cabbage and carrots and such give it Mm. a little extra crunch. That's true. Have y'all ever had chow chow? Yes. Okay. Uh, It always feels like a weird thing to ask people. A, because it's called chow chow. And B, it's called Chow Chow. Um, yeah. Do you want to explain to our non- non-Southern audience what Chow Chow oh, is real quick? About, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how prevalent Chow Chow is to the rest of the world as anything yeah. other than, like, dog food. I, so, I'm going to yeah. guess one of you have probably eaten Chow Chow more recently than me. Uh, but I don't, um, I don't remember hating it. Imagine it basically being cabbage relish. Yeah. Okay. That's the best way I can describe it. it mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, it's it's a coleslaw, but it's been cooked down. Um, so it's got more of a saucy, relishy texture to it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth trying. Like if you see like a full moon barbecue, I don't know how far. I don't know the reach of the full moon barbecue or blue moon barbecue. Might be blue moon barbecue full moon you had it okay uh but they've got a pretty decent chow chow it's worth trying on a sandwich at worst you find something you don't like and you know to avoid it so i went ahead to the i was like you know what i'm gonna get the webster's dictionary definition of chow chow because like i've had chow chow before but it's almost indescribable so i found the wikipedia article um so Here's what chow chow is. It is a North American pickled relish. Its ingredients vary considerably depending on whether it is the northern, primarily Pennsylvanian, or southern variety, as well as separate and likely the original Canadian variety, prevalent in the Maritimes. So, um, apparently chow chow is northern. Our apologies to our Yankee listeners. Um... And found its way down to the southern United States during the Acadian migration from Nova Scotia to Louisiana. Ah. Uh, The former is a combination of vegetables, mainly green and red tomatoes, onions, carrots, beans of various types, asparagus, cauliflower, and peas. The latter is entirely, almost, uh, almost entirely green tomatoes. Like the southern version. Yeah. It's not cabbage? I... You know what? The chow chow I ate was not green tomatoes. Yeah, no. There's no way. Hold on. Now we're on a full chow chow mystery train. (laughs) I'm just going to put in chow chow recipe. Chow chow... Southern chow chow from the Food Network. Okay. 
white distilled vinegar, granulated sugar, kosher salt, whole cloves, mustard seeds, peppercorns, yellow mustard, ground turmeric, crushed red pepper flakes, a bay leaf, four green tomatoes. Dun dun dun. Huh. Two green bell must, peppers. I must have just been thinking of like hot slaw. No, no, no. Hold on. Allow me to finish. One red bell pepper, one large sweet onion, such as Vidalia, and a half-head cabbage. Aha, there we go. We got to. There it is. Okay. Because I was about to say, like, I'll accept the fact that there's green tomatoes in this, but there is no fucking way there's no cabbage. Fucking A. Mystery solved, everyone. Mystery solved. Good job, boys. High fives, high five, high five, high five. We did it. Hell yeah. Another case closed. Done by the Burgundy Boys. <laughs> that's, that's the name of our of our child detective agency. <laughs> the Burgundy Boys. The Burgundy Boys. We we ride our bikes around the neighborhood and solve crimes such as who stole Mr. Mr. Brian's cat and what's up with the haunted elevator and also why is there money being embezzled from the school bake sale? I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't follow up. What's up? Or what's up with the haunted elevator? With also, what's down with the haunted elevator? Oh, no, no, no. It's an elevator that only goes up because it's haunted. You have to take the stairs down. So it can only go up once? There's a uh, bellhop elevator boy who like hangs out in the elevator and he's like, going up! Um, but he's dead, is what's up with it. He's, he's a ghost. I imagine he's headless, but he's in, like, a 1950s or 60s bellhop uniform, and he's just holding his head under with his... the cap, like, yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Tragic day for the Burgundy Boys. <laughs> they found out when they solved that mystery. That mystery, the book for that one is called The Burgundy Boys Get Head. No! <laughs> then they are children! We are kids! <laughs> Get ahead, maybe, in math class, because they're good students. Well, one of, sorry, you know, we gotta do, like, the, the, uh, classic, like, Spock, Kirk, um, McCoy mashup, right? So, there's three of us, so one of us is like, the studious one who like st- studies a bunch and you know gets good grades and then one of us is like the delinquent and then there's the leader whose personality is being the leader i think we all know who's who in this situation oh 100 percent. let's all say it at the same not just <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys i'm gonna delay <laughs> oh man Oh boy! I guess you know what. Enough about sandwiches. That'll truly never be enough. No, no. I have a question. Okay. What's on y'all's sandwich bucket list? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Sandwich bucket list. I've got one for you. Do y'all know what the gun or the shooter sandwich is? Um, that sounds familiar, but remind me. It's basically a beef Wellington as a sandwich. Oh, good lord! Yeah. It's so much meat. That's the big reason why it's on the bucket list, because it'll probably be my last sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) 
What about you, Travis? Uh, any sandwich that's been featured on the regular show. <laughs> Fair enough. I like I like that we have some fantasy sandwiches here. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like I mean, that's somewhat attainable because there have been uh, regular show episodes about just um like meatball subs, but I want like the regular show sandwiches that are like we double fried this burger so it will kill you. That's what I want. Death by sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you and Ben have the same like like if the apo- you know how I always say if the apocalypse happens, my apocalypse plan is a gun with two bullets in case I miss the first time. Yeah. That's this is y'all's gun with two bullets. Like apocalypse plan. Sandwich. Thick sandwich. Okay. I also have an answer, and at first you're going to be like, Ari, what? You've never had a French dip with au jus before? But no, it's different. Okay. Okay? My answer is the sandwich from 30 Rock. The oh. sandwich day sandwich. Uh, yeah. The, the uh, what is it, the sandwich that the crew goes to get? Yeah, the, so the, the plot of the episode is that the crew goes and gets the sandwich and hands it out to all of the staff and, you know, everybody at 30 Rock, right? Mm-hmm. And Liz's sandwich gets stolen by her writing staff and Tracy. And she basically is like, I remember the exact line she says, um, because Kevin's there and she's like, Kevin's like, I'm the one who stole your sandwich because I didn't say anything, which is the worst crime of all. And Liz says if you don't get me a sandwich I'll cut you so bad you'll have a chin you'll all have chins <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they have to have a drinking contest with the crew that goes and gets the sandwiches so that they can figure out where to get the sandwich and they find it and it's like a New York deli and it's like an Italian sandwich from this New York deli but there's a sauce that comes with it and Binging mm. with Babish recreated the sandwich but the sauce he made was just an au jus the sauce mm-hmm. is not an au jus no it's like, not I'm willing to accept that it has meat drippings in it but there's something else and I don't know what it is and I want it so bad oh I bet it's like uh, pickled peppers or something that's in yeah, it like a like a peppercorn sauce I don't know yeah. but it mm. looks so good and I want it so bad mm. I want it now. Fuck it. Let's go yeah, to New York. I, let's go get a sandwich. Hell yeah. Oh, so right. it's so it's from a specific restaurant. It's from Fiori's in New York. Fiori's Deli in Hoboken, New Jersey, actually. Mm. So we don't even have to go to New York. We can go to New Jersey. That's great. Hell yeah. So it's uh, fresh mozzarella that's made in-house, roasted red peppers, and a gravy made from the roast beef drippings. But, like, it doesn't just look like au jus. I need to know what it is. Oh, see, I I bet it's the meat drippings that make it look different and make it look like it's got more. And it may have, like, more, like, peppercorns and whatnot in it. Yeah. Like, maybe onions or some sort of other aromatics. Like, straight up in it that's, like, left with big enough chunks that you could see. If you live in Hoboken, New Jersey, send me a sandwich I will eat it, even if it's rotten. <laughs> if it's annoying. <laughs> I won't do that. Live, on air. No, I won't do that. But I think we need to plan a sandwich road trip. 
Fuck yeah. Because, like, I want that mm-hmm. sandwich in New Jersey. Y'all have to try the coop, coop at Broadway Diner in I was going to say, like, the, the coop is also on my list. 100%. I hope they still make it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, God. You know what? I wonder if I can find a Broadway Diner res- er, uh, menu online. I bet. I'm, I'm going to... If you live near Columbia, Missouri, go to the Broadway Diner. Try... The delicious coop sandwich. How far is uh, Columbia from St. Louis? Uh, two hours. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, Columbia's stuck in, but right in between um, uh, Kansas City and Kansas City and St. Louis. Uh, okay. No, they don't have it on the menu anymore. Oh, oh no! I bet if you go in and ask for it, we probably they can could. Probably put it together. As long as they still have brisket, they we they can make the coop. It's such a good sandwich. I hope it's <laughs> as good as it is in my memory. You know? Yeah. Uh, one of the regular show sandwiches I was thinking of was the ultimatum, which I know I know binging with Babbage has done an episode on that. Mm-hmm. But then the other one is literally just the death sandwich, and it's like a uh, it's like the best meatball sub of all time, or something. Yeah, I'm going to add an answer to this question. Hit us with uh, the uh, brood witch from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a sandwich like so evil. Just each bite takes it to you. you it takes you to it like an evil fucking void realm. I love how some of these are just like the same which I had in a dream once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being it said, it's so delicious, but was also made of sunlight and stars. <laughs> oh no, this sandwich is basically just like the ultimate and final Italian sandwich. Oh god. With the sun-dried um, tomatoes. <laughs> I apparently need to get more into Italian sandwiches cuz it's never my first choice, but y'all have mm. really talked it up. Oh, the yeah, it's the it's those it's those cured meats. Yeah, it's those like sweaty cured meats that do it. It's about yes. the meats. Damn right. The, um, so the death sandwich from the regular show is just a it's a meatball sub, but it's got ham on it. Ooh. Uh, but the thing is, you have to do taekwondo while you're putting it together. <laughs> <laughs> we've learned today we need to watch more regular show well yes yeah. <laughs> but i think what we've really learned today is that we may have a fanciful idea of what a sandwich should be but at the end of the day mm-hmm. if somebody handed they me an arby's mono- sandwich with a shit ton of arby's sauce i'd be happy oh fuck yeah yeah or even just yeah. a simple pb and j oh hell yeah or Ooh. pb and honey no no PB&J. it is a good P- Ben, it is a P- good sandwich. PB and Honey is one of my childhood faves. Also, raising the stakes with the P. Ooh, forgot to mention a sandwich. Now that you're mentioning PB and J, want to give a shout out to the Heels sandwich. Ooh, yes, I was hoping. Uh, you from uh, as made famous in the uh, in the venue. Oh, what was that venue called? Oh, uh, High Tone. Yeah, as made famous in the High Tone kitchen. Uh, the Heels sandwich is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with pepper jelly and bacon. Mm. And cheese, I think. Did it have cheese on it? I think it had like a white cheese, like a brie or something. 
Yeah. Something appropriate to eat with fruit. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically, yeah, it was this, it was this nice cheese with peanut butter and pepper jelly and sauce and uh, bacon. Super good. I have one more dream sandwich to add and then I'm done. Okay. Okay. A Monte Cristo. Oh my God. Benji, you've never had a Monte Cristo? I've n- I've always wanted to have one, but no, I've never had one. We need to fix mm. that ASAP because a Fuck Monte yeah. Cristo is peak, so good. Well, it seems like an event, right? Oh, it you're gonna be passed out for three days. It is a heavy. <laughs> <sandwich>. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I've been you're sleeping gonna, poorly. You're gonna, you're gonna go unconscious because it's first of all, it's a ham and turkey. It's a essentially what a Monte Cristo is is a ham turkey and cheese sandwich like it's it's like a like a hot sandwich right yeah but then it's fried yeah yeah it is <laughs> dusted in powdered sugar and served with a side of jam yep <laughs> which is like obviously delicious but also too much you yeah. know mm-hmm. like it's not just like fried like pan fried apparently it is dipped in an egg milk mixture yeah yep. it's it's like fried to a golden brown yep it's like somebody fried french toast except not as um eggy yeah and it's delicious i mean it's yeah. fuck me i'm eating a sandwich like <laughs> after we're done recording like i have yeah. sandwich bread we'll make this happen fuck yeah I actually made a, I didn't mention it because it's not technically sandwich, it's a wrap, but I actually made a wrap today with sliced mm. buffalo deli chicken, and it was Ooh, so good. Chicka chicka, yeah. Good. I have a jalapeno cilantro Ooh. sauce um, from Hellman's, and I nice. added that to the wrap, and it was it was delicious. Had some okay. Swiss on it, some kale, because I have a big bag of kale I need to use up. There's <laughs> <laughs> a giant ass bag of kale. <laughs> You know, I think on that note, it might be time to switch gears a little bit. I think so. Um, perhaps to something a little bit unnatural. <laughs> or very natural. Perhaps Superbly even natural? supernatural. Oh. Just like crazy natural. It's super how natural it is. More natural than natural. It is weird how super this natural is. You know when you're watching an apocalypse movie? Yes. And you see the women in the movie and you're like, it's weird that her armpits are shaved. I wish she could go a little more supernatural. Oh, natural. <laughs> Anyways, this episode is called Firstborn. Travis, what's it about? Firstborn. I know. Um, That's what two out of the three of us are. No, I almost said Sam and Dean. That wasn't right. Uh, Cass and Dean have their first baby. <laughs> hey, is it via Vor? You know, depending on who um, you're talking to, <laughs> your first answer was always also correct. <laughs> Uh yeah, that's that's just what happens. <laughs> but the twist is we don't know who the dad was. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, I bet Lucifer. Was it Dean or was it Cass? Or was okay. it both? Or was it Sam? Or was like it Sam? <laughs> or was like it Crowley? <laughs> was Sam being a surrogate? What if it wasn't a dad at all? 
but a mom. <gasps> Impossible. There are no moms in Supernatural. They all died. <laughs> all of them. This seems like a real chicken or egg situation, or chicken, egg, or cream situation, if you will, to make a callback. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to talk about Supernatural. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> Play the break music here. And we're back. We're back, baby. Just like scoliosis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I liked, I liked this episode. I thought it was fun. I had a good time. Yeah. It was a very good episode. I enjoyed it. I liked what happened. I liked the characters we got to see. Um... I feel like Ari's holding back. I, you know. <laughs> One thing I'm glad is that the Gudriel stuff has kind of taken a back seat. Mm-hmm. And we've brought Abaddon to the front. Which is honestly what I've wanted this whole time. Fucking right. Like, the Gudriel stuff has been... It was but, drilled uh, into the ground. Yeah. Uh, Bam! I okay. I do not hate this episode. I think this episode's a little fanficy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and also, okay. So the minute they introduced Colette, I was like, if I were going to create a parody of Supernatural. Every single person in the universe would have a fridged woman. You know what I mean? Like, in their past. Like, Sam and Dean wouldn't be able to walk down the fucking street without, like, a milkman interrupting them and being like, my poor Cynthia. She was the light of my life until my rival milkman killed her. Like, I I just, I don't know. I like- you know what? Yeah. And the thing is, they didn't have to fridge her like that. Hell they no. really d- they like, didn't have to have her at all. She's <laughs> he. Sorry. I mean, like Sorry. if if you are going to make Kane's like retirement be, he meets a human woman and wants to settle down with her. At least make it to where like he is an immortal demon and he outlived her. Yeah. But they got to live out their life happy until she died early of tuberculosis, as of was the time. Yes. And yes. I think that would have been fine. But he to have the whole, like, fucking, yeah. Abaddon killed her and she promised me not to kill anymore. Like, come on. I would have really loved it if there was no Colette and instead Kane's just like. Yeah, I mean, I had a phase where I kind of murdered the shit out of everybody, and then I got really into beekeeping. Yeah. (laughs) That's very what we do in the shadows. And now I'm still really into beekeeping. (laughs) It is very what we do in the shadows, but here's the thing. That's a good show. (laughs) 
about Ooh. a portal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a That's really a good, good show. Sh- hey, you know what? I don't think Supernatural would suffer by being a little more like what we do in the shadows. I really yeah, don't that's think. True. <laughs> that's I really true. don't think we would have lost Supernatural's like joie de vivre, you know? It's je ne sais quoi. It was just a little more, a little less like itself and a little more like what we do in the shadows. Personally. <sighs> I think that's the thing about time marching forward. There's better shit. Yeah, I just, here's my thing with the mortals. They're fascinating because they're ancient. Yeah. Like, Kane has existed since, I mean, in the show's um In the mythology. show's lore, he's like the second dude, right? Yeah, yeah. he's like, he, yeah, he's the second man on the planet, period. Mm-hmm. And he committed the first murder, and then he just kept doing that for a while like he doesn't need a woman to teach him that you know murder is wrong and he's better than that he's immortal he could have been chilling with fucking Plato and learning that murder is wrong you know like Mm -hmm. give me a demon who's just like I'm old as balls and I'm gonna go around and do cool shit and hang out and just be a just be a guy you know yeah it's like Just a fucking dude. dude. <laughs> like, let's less on immortals who find young women to fall in love with. And more more immortals who are just like, you know, I had a big like like artist phase. Where I yeah. just run around and I tried out a bit, bunch of different art forms. I was super into like weaving for a while. Made some beautiful tapestries. Depicting events I was at. Yeah. It's kind of over it, you know? Yeah. Is there something significant with B imagery and Kane, or is that just a choice for this show? So, I did not have time to do a Freak of the Week uh, episode. So, I can't. I don't know. I mean, I think Kane is fairly like. The story of Cain and Abel is one of those that, like, even if you don't know it, you still kind of know it. Cain, the reason why God was displeased with Cain's gift is because he gave him, like, vegetables and God's a big meat eater. Um, and hates vegetables. So, hmm. I'm going to go with, maybe that's the connection? I think, I think people, I think they were just like... Because beekeeping is such, like, a gentle thing, you know? It's yeah. so, like, sweet and wholesome. It mm-hmm. was There was a juxtaposition of, like, Crowley freaking his shit out, seeing Kane for the first time, and what Kane was actually doing, which is beekeeping. Yeah, that's fair. Homesteading, you know? Yeah. It is, it is kind of, like, Sherlock Holmesy because Sherlock Holmes became a beekeeper in his retirement I think if I'm remembering correctly it's been a while but yeah I think that's where the bee thing came from yeah there's just the sweet and somber thing that somebody like the the father of murder could be doing yeah this episode's very pulpy it's got a lot of pulp 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Crowley says, it's a buddy cop. It's it's a it's a buddy cop movie. Yeah. Sam and uh fuck. Dean and Crowley, unlikely partners with common enemy, mm-hmm. team together to uh have shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. And then Crowley immediately portrays Dean and Dean is somehow not surprised by it, but also was like, You didn't care about Tara? The woman we met for two seconds? <laughs> she died, Crowley, and Crowley was like, Yeah, I don't care. I'm fucking Crowley. Yeah. Uh God. I I, I will say I loved Crowley this episode. Um Kinda tired of Dean. Kinda just wish this show was just about Crowley and Cass going and being hilarious and solving murders. Yeah, Dean was very Dean in this episode. Yeah, yeah. like kind of up to eleven, Dean. Yeah, maybe I, I just, I'm sympathetic to Dean and how he's feeling. It's been so long. I kind of want to like do a cr- quick recap of why Dean's feeling so sad. Mm-hmm. So, in the past couple of episodes, um, Dean's whole, like, tricking of Sam and the entire Gadrill situation blew up in Dean's face. Kevin died. Sam and Dean are on the outs. Um, I think the last time we recorded, Travis was like, they're going to be back in half an episode. And that actually didn't happen. So it didn't. And yeah. I'm very surprised. Yeah. Maybe this is the time when Dean and Sam are never, ever, ever getting back together. No, they'll be back. together. Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for, for real, for real. Uh, in this episode, I mean, Sam and Cass were in it, but the main, the a plot was definitely, um, dealing with the Kane and Abaddon and all of that. Um, so that's why Dean is, like, going through it right now. At the end of the episode, Crowley has a really good line where he's basically, he basically says to Dean, you know, your problem is that nobody hates you more than you hate you. And he's right. Dean's really yeah. in his feelings. And he is, he yeah. is in the self, self-loathing. Um, and he's not wrong to feel that way. I just kind of... am tired of it i just don't want to watch it (laughs) i feel like if supernatural especially in the middle of the show had took way more inspiration from good omens it would have been a more palatable show i still like this show i really enjoy the beginning and i really enjoy the end of the show but holy christ like this supernatural is a fucking hot pocket it is a pepperoni hot pocket it's tasty it's nostalgic and the middle is cold and bad (laughs) Uh, i mean you're not wrong yeah to take this back to sandwiches i think i think part of what it is is the repetitiveness of this like this episode did introduce something new in the form of kane but Mm. like the girls are fighting again you know sam and dean are on the outs because party a lied to party b about a thing that party a got really mad about and it's like we have been here before we know what's gonna happen um 
there's just no, I don't know, the spark's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe if this were a plot line that came up in season three, I would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm interested. But now I'm just kind of like, okay, Dean's the greatest killer of all time, and he can kill 10 million demons with his bare hands. I don't know. I mean, he's the best at murder. Yeah. That's the thing we found out this episode is that. So, Cain was, okay, so they change up the Cain and Abel myth a little bit. Abel wasn't talking to God, he was talking to Lucifer, and to save Abel, Cain decided to sell his soul to hell in exchange for Abel's in heaven. And then Lucifer agrees, but only if Cain kills Abel. So he did that with the first blade. The first blade is apparently the only blade in existence that can kill um, Knights of Hell, which is what Abaddon is, so we gotta go find that to make that happen. But the first blade only works if you have the mark of Cain on you. And Cain wasn't going to give it up until he saw Dean and how good at fighting Dean was. And he was like, we're kindred spirits. You can have it now. Right. Well, isn't the whole thing that Sam and Dean are descended from Cain and Abel? Yes. And actually, that's a line that I hear... This is a little pet peeve of mine. Can I talk about how infuriating it is for to hear the show say that Kane is or Dean is descended from Cain through his mother for, through his father's side and Sam is descended from Abel through his um, mother's side? They're brothers. They're both descended. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, but it's like their DNA. You know, They're both descended from Cain and Abel. From their parents who were married and had um, kids together. They got half their DNA from mom and half their DNA from dad. They share DNA. They're related. Um, That's a little bit but every time I'm here and I'm like, they're both descended from both of them. There is also, I was doing a little Wikipedia glance of Kane, and apparently in some texts, his uh, all of his descendants were perished in the great floods as like retribution for Abel. Well, I guess supernatural got that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I hate about the Bible? It's full of retcons. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if this counts as a retcon on the Bible's part. I'm pretty sure this is Eric Kripke's fault. There is literally a new and old testament, and then if you're fucking Catholic, you've got the goddamn fucking D book that's like an extra like the DLC for the Bible. Yeah, and then you. I, I I think I think this the thing that I just said is from a Bible DLC. It's the it's the BCU. There yeah. you go. The the BECU. The yeah. Christian Extended Universe. The yeah. the Bible Extended Christian Universe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I um, but yeah I I think it should have been Cain Sam has Cain DNA and Dean has Abel DNA yeah I feel right like, I feel like that because been... Sam is the demon boy and I feel like Dean they, is the angel boy they both have both DNA yeah well yeah that's also <laughs> it's not brothers. worded very well 
they have the same parents. <sighs> It's such a small thing, but every time I hear it, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They're related. So I think what it's supposed to be is that John had Cain's descendantness, and Mary had Abel's descendantness. Right. So when they got together, they created Sam and Dean, a.k.a. the modern-day Cain and Abel. Yes. Yeah, I I think that's... That's what they were trying to do. Yeah. That's what they were trying to say and said it so badly. They said it in a way that was very silly. You know what? How much do angels and demons know about DNA? Like Crowley, is Crowley from before the discovery of DNA? He definitely is. Yeah, Maybe he for he sure is. Maybe he just didn't know. Maybe he just, I mean, he just wasn't around for, um, for uh, Rosalind. Oh my god, I've forgotten her name. He was busy that day. He yeah. was. I mean, he was a demon, but he was focused on other stuff. Making demon deals. In a supernatural extended universe, we find out that uh, Watson and Crick get um, get credit for Rosalind Franklin's research because they made a deal with Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we discover. And Crowley actually knew about DNA the entire time. And he's not the one that said that line. So this isn't on him. <laughs> um, yeah. So Dean and Crowley team up together to find Kane, And they meet up with one of John's old flames, a very muscular woman named Tara, um, who is also very silly. Because she traps Crowley in a demon trap devil's Mm -hmm. trap yeah and it's paint on the floor and to release crowley she doesn't like scrape off the paint which is easy to fix she shoots a hole in her floor like a dumbass and immediately dies yeah yeah like she kind of pulled herself out of that one yeah Yeah, she she literally shot herself in the foot she really did yeah well shot herself in the floor her metaphorical foot there you go. There's too many bull. I mean, it was a cool scene. Like she looked like a badass, but I was like, "That's gonna come back." That you you could have just gotten some extra paint and completed that devil's trap if you just scraped it up a little bit. You could have just taken your fingernail and gone. Dee, 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 dee. Yeah, but you had to be fancy mm-hmm. about it. It'd you had be to a make dick a point. And, the, and that was a sawn off shotgun that motherfucker's loud as shit and there's a yeah. busy ass street outside you're you're telling me no one called the cops because somebody fired a fucking shotgun yeah i don't know maybe they're Jeez. used to it maybe sh- maybe what we don't see is where tara has just shot a bunch of holes in her floor <laughs> this, is the woman, this is the woman by the way that at the end of the episode dean is like crowley tara died and Crowley's like, yeah, I know. I was not there, but I heard about it. <laughs> and I really wanted Crowley to be like, and she deserved it. She could have just scraped the paint off. Yeah. And trapped a demon. Called it a day. It was one guy when she started. But yeah. I... Do how how are we feeling about Kane? Specifically Timothy Edmondson. 
which is definitely I, a name that I can pronounce. First of all, love Tim. Love his work. Fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, love his beard. Was this at the same time that he was doing um, Galavant? Um, almost certainly. Hold on. Let me pull up his little IMDB and I will tell you. So this would have been, what, a 2014 episode? Yes. I think I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, this is 2014. Um, Gallivant started in 2015. Okay, so he actually does show up in 2015 in Supernatural as well. He comes back. Okay. Yeah. So, right, I know he's in multiple episodes because that's one of my memories of seeing like syndicated uh, Supernatural in like a waiting room TV was definitely an episode with Timothy Albinson in it. Did you know that he did some Star Wars video game voices? What? I believe it. It looks like he's in some DLC for the Old Republic. Yeah. Oh. Did you also know that he is in the TV series Jack and Jill? Like, Like the Adam Sandler... No, the television show. Jack and Jill. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't either, but it, it is on his IMDb. Hmm. He's also in several episodes of Xena Warrior Princess. Hmm. Huh. He's also in this show called Psych. I've never heard of it, though. Yeah, I mean, not a big... I wouldn't say it's a big credit. Probably brand for, like, a season. Um, Probably at a small part. <laughs> oh, nothing major, I'm sure. Sounds like a stupid show that is in no way amazing. Oh my god, he was in Swordfish? <laughs> oh yeah, he was in Swordfish. Oh fuck, I know what we're doing. <laughs> He's additional voices in Castlevania? I oh, know shit. what we're doing for LSA, boys. <laughs> we're not doing um, Psych the movie? We're doing Swordfish. Oh god. <laughs> Fucking sword. Ah, oh, he's in This Is Us. Oh god, boo. His. Hey. Everyone is in This Is Us. Oh my god. Psych 3 is named This Is Gus, a direct parody of This Is Us. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I haven't seen the Psych movies, but I really want to. I also haven't seen the Psych movies and really want to. What are they on? Uh, Peacock, I think. Yeah, probably. That's I don't want to encourage, you know, the market, so I try I try not to um watch things on Peacock for that reason. Okay, right. what the fuck is Swordfish? It's a hacker movie. It's a really shitty like, early aughts you, hacker movie. Yeah, you know that the hacker meme where it's like where it's like I'm in. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> They hack by playing Tetris. <laughs> That's Man, what it looks like. I love that. It's amazing. It's incredible. Did you guys know that the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith is based off of a 1996 television show, also called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that stars Scott Bakula and Maria Bell? Scott Bella. Bakula? Yep. And it, and it has Timothy Odvinson in it. What? Yeah. As a baby? 
1996. He's not that young. Oh, 96. I thought you said 69, or I, I thought you said 60 something, and I was oh, like, no, no, how no. old is this show? Oh, no, no, the no, auditory no. dyslexia. I get that sometimes. Mm, one of those. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a show from the 60s, and I was like, God damn. You know what? I want to know more about Timothy old. Oldmanson. Where is he from? What's he doing? Is he married? Is he interested in a gender confused young man? Um, he is married and he has two children. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in St. Joseph, Missouri on July 29th, 1969. Nice. The youngest of four children. Nice. He grew up in Seattle, Washington, where his family moved when he was one. His father is a former railroad man, railroad man, and his mother was a teacher. Um. <clears throat> He had a recurring role on Sequest 2032. And his first professional job was a guest shot on Seinfeld. Hmm. Nice. There's a lot of actors in Seinfeld that it's like, this is their first role. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Seinfeld and Friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that's a lot of like, especially actors that are like, working constantly today uh or are like well known as being like tv actors in some way definitely like you'll see them pop up in friends or seinfeld i feel like i I just think that's neat i feel like supernatural is kind of that show with like you'll see a lot of guest stars on supernatural who then go off to like get big yeah you know I mean, the show's been running for 15 seasons. They gotta, like... They gotta get those actors from somewhere. Might as well be a talent pool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, did you know that he's dyslexic? Oh. Yeah. Oh, he also hits the... Once again, a supernatural actor who has been typecast in a weirdly specific way. Oh, really? Yep. So not only has he done this show, but he also was in Lucifer, not as Kane, but he was imbued with godlike powers in the TV series Lucifer, where he went on to have conversations with Lucifer, his son, about how he was cast out of hell in the TV show Supernatural. He plays Kane, bearing a mark that was handed to him by Lucifer, which was initially created by God. So he um, keeps getting cast as like characters who get godlike powers and are like connected to Lucifer somehow. Gotcha. I mean, it's only happened twice, but still, what are the odds? You know? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I've got two nickels, yeah. which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah, it's just it's strange. I, for the longest time, wanted Lucifer to cast. Um, Richard uh, Spate as Gabrielle or Gabriel because that would have been amazing. Like another supernatural actor who keeps getting weirdly typecast. Sign me the fuck up. So that's I think that's one of my favorite things about Supernatural is the weird typecasting. Oh yeah. So also can we talk about how fine Timothy Edmondson is? Very. He is extremely attractive like damn just he's not that hot on psych 
But in this show and every other time I've seen him, I'm like, that is a well-seasoned man. Yeah. You know? Well, I think on Psych, he's supposed to kind of have this, like, he's supposed to look like a narc. Yeah. So sure. that kind of takes away... From the but other other than Psych, and I think later on in Psych, when he gets a little more pepper in his hair, like I think I think he kind of grows into it. As Kane, he's got longer hair and a beard, and I just want to say, yes, correct, mm-hmm. correct. And then in Gallivant, his hair is even longer with an even bigger beard. Oh, his Ooh. IMDb picture is a bigger beard, a mustache that cannot be denied, and thick wavy hair. And I'm just like, you got it going on, my guy. I feel like there was a... He either did that for Gallivant, or he was also in, like, a stage production. Like, he was doing a Shakespeare show or something that he grew his hair out for. You know what I like to think? I like to think... I might be wrong, though. He's just a man who believes in himself. Yeah. And is comfortable enough in his older years to, you know, rock the gray. Fall fall in love with long hair. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think too yeah. many men feel like they get older and they have to cut their hair, and I'm here to tell you, don't. You know. I plan on going out like Jeff Bridges. Absolutely. Except without Iron Man two, or three. Yeah, two? you're not gonna have that. Yeah. I think it's two. Actually, I think it might be one. Yeah, that's he's in Iron Man one. He's uh, he's Obadiah Stane, Stone, Stan, Stan. Whatever. He's the, recently did an entire watch of all the Marvel movies. Yeah. For the first so time, so I'm uh, well versed. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about Sam and Cass, and then go back to Dean and Crowley? We got distracted by how attractive Timothy Edmondson is, and I want to apologize yes. for that. He's very attractive. It could happen to anyone. Oh, God. I mean, I just want to stare into his dreamy eyes all day. His eyes are all right. They're not that dreamy. Really, it's in the hair. Um. So, Sam and Cass, they're kind of doing their thing. I almost said Sam and Dean. Uh, Yeah, it's hard. It's hard hard not to. Yeah. Sam and Cass doing their thing, following their dreams. Uh, their dreams are ignoring calls from Dean. Um, I, I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of how the conflict is playing out because, again, I don't think the main issue with the Gadriel thing is that Sam should feel guilty because Kevin died. Like, yeah, no, all of this is on Dean. Sam shouldn't feel guilty about anything. Yeah. Like, okay, so I'm going to back up. I don't think that Sam isn't allowed to feel guilty, and I think it makes sense for him. But I think the reason why he should be mad at Dean is because Dean overstepped a boundary again. Now, Dean did it for understandable reasons. Sam was going to die, and he was terrified. But they talked about this before. Like, Sam is very much in camp. If I'm if I'm going, let me go. But in this episode, that doesn't get brought up or mentioned. What gets mentioned is like survivor's guilt, essentially. Yeah. So now it's not about like how Sam feels about Dean. It's about 
how he feels guilty that he's still here and Kevin isn't. And what's more is that he didn't complete the trials. Mm. So Cass and Sam's subplot is about Cass basically trying to prove to Sam that he sh- he should he's allowed to live. Like he he doesn't have to sacrifice himself, and that's not a bad lesson for Sam to learn. Nor is it a bad like emotional beat to explore. But my issue is is that I'm afraid what's going to be swept under the rug is what Dean did, which was gaslight him for half a season and then overstep a major boundary. Oh, that's definitely going to get swept under the rug. Yeah. Um, as somebody with future vision, I can neither confirm nor deny, but wink, wink. <laughs> and... I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out to see it. Like, I, I really wish we could have that conversation about how Dean keeps overstepping Sam's boundaries in ways and fucking dealing with that. But we can't do that for some reason. Why, why can't we do that? You know? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But I, I thought that the little the little B plot with Sam and Cass was cute. I like that like Cass can't taste food anymore, or it tastes like too yeah. much. Yeah. So I I've been doing some thinking about uh, Cass being autistic coded. Mm, yeah. And that reminds me of sensory overload. Like, not just sensory overload, but like having a food that you really love and you want to eat all the time it's the only thing you want to eat but then you finally get tired of it and then it's just like you can't stand it anymore yeah i wonder if Cass says that he could like taste every molecule and it's overwhelming and i wonder if like another angel could teach Cass how to eat where that doesn't happen not that he needs to but there's you know food is enjoyable Mm-hmm. If, if Cass is going to be hanging around on Earth, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to enjoy a sandwich. Yeah. Um, and and we see Gabriel enjoy food, like candy. Mm-hmm. And we see um, Balthazar enjoy, like, wine and stuff. So I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's something, like, an angel could teach him, you know? Yeah, probably. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, oh, one thing I didn't like about this subplot is that Cass keeps insisting that it's because he's been human for a while that he's learned that life has value. I think he's had a few more experiences than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say here. Like, Cass, buddy, what? This is the... F- okay, so what Cass says specifically is that he's learned that the ends don't always have to... Ju- like, the ends don't always have to justify the means, Right. Finding Gadriel is not more important than Sam's life because what's happening in the episode is that there is a little bit of grace inside of Sam um, from his possession from Gadriel and 
Cass can extract it, but it's very painful to Sam. It could possibly kill him. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Sam's like, no, we got to do it anyways, because he's dealing with survivor's guilt. Um, and Cass is like, no. And so what Cass says is, Sam, I want Gudriel to pay as much as you do, but nothing is worth losing you. You know, being human, it didn't just change my view of food. It changed my view of you. I mean, I can relate now to how you feel. And Sam says, what are you talking about? And Cass says, the only person who has screwed things up more consistently than you is me. And now I know what that guilt feels like. And I know what it, I know what it means to feel sorry, Sam. I am sorry. Cass, baby. Is this the first time you feel sorry for like what happened in season six? Was season was your appearance in season seven not about you dealing with that grief or like all of season eight and deciding to stay in purgatory? Hmm. Oof. Hmm. Because it was. Because it was about that. Also, looks like we got another case of uh, we forgot our own lore. Yeah. <laughs> We forgot what happened in the show that we wrote not that long ago under the same fucking showrunner for season eight. I mean, I I can see what Cass is getting at because in season six, five or six, he's like totally down to murder a child to get an angel weapon or whatever or to like get souls or something whatever that was so it's like okay cool Cass you're not like down for child murder anymore thanks I'm not saying Bethesda um (laughs) (laughs) good job Tom you know what I think the real issue with Fallout 3 is the fact that you can't murder them kids (laughs) And that's the only problem I have. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I'm not saying that Cass hasn't gone through any development. I'm saying the opposite. He's gone through a lot of development and he didn't need to be human to do it. And I think since you brought up Cass being particularly, like, potentially autistic coded, I think this, there's an interesting parallel to be made. Now, do I think the writers purposely wrote in Cass being autistic? Maybe I think they wanted to write Cass definitely having some like undefined personality or learning disorder. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I think a lot of Cass's symptoms align with the Hollywood view of what autism is. Definitely. He's very season one Abed, you know? Mm, Yeah. Um, Except I would say that Abed is a better representation of autism. There is a stereotype that autistic people can't feel emotions or like don't feel emotions. And that's not true. Autistic people do feel emotions. But if you're going to have Cass is autistic coded and then he doesn't learn how to feel guilt or like feel worthy of life until he becomes human, I think that's a little problematic oh yeah definitely because there's this idea in media where like there's a lot of non-human representations of autistic people 
And I don't have a problem with the fact that Cass is an angel. I'm just saying that he's, like, developed emotions before this. It's not just because he's... Yeah, he was it's not like he like, had the... <clears throat> yeah. He had the, I walked a mile in your shoes experience. You know, we don't always have to experience the exact same thing to be empathetic to somebody's situation. Yeah. yeah. Do writers know that's possible? I don't think they do. I, I mean, yeah. I... I think they're like, unless you personally experience somebody, something, you cannot... <laughs> You cannot sympathize with people. You cannot feel bad for them or like understand them. I don't know. But yeah, I did think other than that, I did think there were some very sweet Sam cast moments and I appreciate how far their relationship has come. That's actually speaking of character development. Um, when Cass and Sam meet, Cass kind of, like, fucking hates Sam. Like, thinks he's yeah. dirty. And then, mm-hmm. in season six, when Cass, like, when Sam gets his soul back, the first thing Cass does is he tries to hug him. I just thought that was... And, and now they're here. With Cass, like, talking Sam back from the ledge. I thought, I like it. I like the development of their relationship. I've always liked episodes where Cass and Sam get a little moment together. Oh, my God. Do we ship Sastiel? Oh, my God. Sassmaster Sam. Do we call it Sastiel? Oh, also, listeners, what's the the ship name for Dean and Crowley? I said it's Dowley. I agree. I also think it's, if it's not, it should be Dowley. Oh, it's Dowley because Dean is the top and Crowley's the bottom. Okay, we don't... That's old um, fandom rules. We don't do mm. that anymore. Also, you know obviously both, they both switch. Yeah, they're Brady switches. Let let Crowley get pl- plowed. He deserves it. He's under so much stress. He's running an entire dimension. Yeah. Let him get plowed, you know? Back in the day, speaking of, like, old fandom history, back in my day... <laughs> <laughs> when I was first getting into fan fiction, the way that you would signal like who's topping or who's the dominant one in the shipping fic is mm. you would have so I'm gonna use um I'll use Karama and Hie as an example. So um you would do Karama slash Hie if like Karama was gonna top. And you'd switch it if it was Hie who okay. was gonna top. Mm little piece of I, <laughs> from days gone by i also love that it's our our episode back from hiatus and we we had to drop a yu yu Hakusho we reference did. in there it's been so long <laughs> um also i've just been thinking about because like travis before we started recording he was like why are some shipping names just like words like phrases and i was yeah. like oh boy <laughs> you don't know confusing shipping names until you've gotten to the Yu-Gi-Oh fandom because some of them just don't make any fucking sense <laughs> go to like I, like you could literally google a phrase like alabaster pancakes and probably find a shipping name yeah um who, who is so into Yu-Gi-Oh that they're shipping people <laughs> hey man hey. 
Again, uh, hurtful. Those Yu-Gi-Oh uh, manga <laughs> apparently are pretty fucking legit. They're right. very legit. All right, I forgot about those good. until you brought those up. Because, like, in the original, like, manga, wasn't it just, like, regular, like, bar games and shit and not just a card game? Yeah, yeah. it's what it's what we consider, like, season zero. Okay. It's the first, like arc of the manga uh, okay. it definitely did become all about dual monsters the card game especially when you know the card game came out but yeah in the beginning um the spirit who lives inside the millennium puzzle is just like really into games and like challenges people to like crazy games where their lives mm-hmm. are on the line all right it's Fair great enough. it's honestly and- so good yeah, and the run of the manga is actually just like what we consider the OG season of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, uh, where it ends with the uh, the guys getting trapped in the tabletop RPG. Okay. There is actually um, uh, the first time the gang, the Yugi gang, meets Bakura, who becomes a recurring villain. He actually has them play not to D&D. Yes. Um, it's called Monster World, and he, like, traps them in their figures. Their little D&D minis. That's awesome. Yeah. It's actually very similar to how he's introduced in the anime. Um, because in the anime, he traps... You know what? I know a lot too much about Yu-Gi-Oh! But, <laughs> to answer your question, do you guys remember Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridged? Yeah, the Yu-Gi-Oh, the abridged show that started all the abridged anime shows. Mm-hmm. Little Karibo has actually written Yu-Gi-Oh fan fiction. Of course, and ships, thief shipping. Would you like to guess what the what the ship name is for? Thief shipping. We are going deep into Yu-Gi-Oh territory right now. Oh boy, uh, thief shipping. The it's um, I want to say. For some reason, my heart is leading me in the direction of Joey and the guy who throws Yugi's Exodia off the boat. Never, ever listen to your heart again, because that's absolutely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is one of them Kaiba? No. Damn, okay, I'm out of guesses. If you were as into Yu-Gi-Oh! as I have been in the past, you would have gotten this straight away. This really is just a lack of knowledge. Do you remember... Okay. It's Dark Bakura, Evil Bakura. Okay. And um, Malik from the uh, city tournament arc. The Battle City Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is an extremely popular Yu-Gi-Oh! ship. That's I would say wild. probably one of the most popular. Maybe maybe Joey and uh, Kaiba. Ta-da! <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Knowledge! Nice. <laughs> oh god, were you guys saying something? Guys, I'm definitely a cool person <laughs> who had a lot of friends growing up. You sound like it, Ari. You're, you're, you're likable, you're funny, and you're likable. <laughs> And I had a lot of interests that people definitely related to. <laughs> I never had to info dump a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh knowledge to anyone. They just On got multiple what I was occasions, right away. Oh, 
And that's why I'm so popular now. Because I care about you. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I have friends. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> Can I just say that there is an alternate universe where this episode focuses on Dean and Crowley fighting a Kraken to get its essence, and I want to live in that universe. I don't oh, want to live in this that. one anymore. Yeah, that yeah. could have been a whole episode. That could have been an arc. That could have been a fucking arc. A pirate yeah. arc. So, guys, I've got a an idea for another podcast for when we finish... Uh, when we, when either we get done with Supernatural or we get to a point where we can add another podcast to our busy schedules, it's where you guys take me through uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! And we'll call it 10 Things I Hate About Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> <laughs> if that podcast doesn't already exist. <laughs> that doesn't sound very hard at the cards of you, Ben. <laughs> that doesn't sound very you believe in the power of friendship, Ben. <laughs> What hey, the fuck are next, friends? Next time the three of us hang out, I'm going to draw the little Sharpie marker on our hands so we can look at it and remember our great friendship. And that way, one of us will have the strength to win back our grandpa's favorite card from Seto Kaiba. <laughs> Who, in his first episode, in the first episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! puts an old man in the hospital for a fucking trading card. He puts him in the hospital, Ben. He goes to the hospital. He's injured. Oh, man. I love that in Yu-Gi-Oh! The damsel in the stress is nine times out of ten Yu-Gi's grandpa. <laughs> what a progressive show, you know? Yeah. It wasn't ever Taya. It was Yu-Gi's granddad. <laughs> or it was all of them. It was either all of them or it was Yu-Gi's grandpa. And that's it. <laughs> Or Mokuba. Mokuba gets kidnapped a lot. Never mind. I take it back. Alright. Enough about my embarrassing amount of Yu-Gi-Oh! knowledge that I know. And more about Supernatural. The television show that this podcast is allegedly about. Allegedly. Um, I will say I was impressed at like some things that seemed like plot holes that actually uh, ended up being part of the twist of the episode, which is that Cain was the one murdering all of the Knights of Hell and not the Archangels, because so the start of the episode, Crowley is like, hey, the Archangels killing off all those Knights of Hell, and they had to have this blade to do it. And I remember thinking like, well, hold on, don't they have archangel swords? Like, why wouldn't they just use that? That can kill another archangel. Like, who gives a fuck about a gross-looking knife? <laughs> uh, I did like that twist. Mm-hmm. I almost thought it was going... because So I knew that Kane was in the show, because I'd seen like a couple of scenes with him in it, and I knew that he was Kane. Mm-hmm. And I thought... I was like, oh shit, is Kane an archangel? Like, I thought that's maybe where it was going. But this is good, too. I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it also explains why Kane needs the special knife. I, I feel mm-hmm. like if they just got a um, archangel sword, they would be able to kill Abaddon pretty easily. So, you know, those, are, those aren't uh, easy to find. Yeah. I like that it's... I mean, like, you gotta have a little bit of a fetch quest in there. Yeah. 
Also, I appreciate the fact that they have the... I liked the design of the mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's some stuff about its design. Is this on SupernaturalWiki.com? It is. It's on my favorite website, SupernaturalWiki.com. The, <laughs> the mark of Cain appears to resemble the Hebrew letter for Vav, alongside two marks, uh, each representing the letters Yod. These are guesses at pronunciation. In the Hebrew alva- alphabet, uh, letters take on numerical meaning, Vav meaning 6, and Yod meaning 10. If you were to add up the letters in the marks 6 and 10 and 10, you would end up with the number 26. 26 has a significant meaning in Judaism. Um, it is the number preceded following 25 and preceding 27. Hmm. Um, can I make a slight suggestion change for if slash when we remake the show? Oh, uh, 26 is the geometric number being the sum of Hebrew characters, uh, being in the name of God, of Israel, Yahweh. So it's like the, it's like the number of something about it's it's it 26 means yahweh basically that's that's what it is i like it um according to wikipedia it is also uh, according to jewish chronology God gave the Torah to the 26th generation since creation. The expression for his mercy endures forever is found verbatim in English in the original Hebrew 26 times in Psalm 136. The expression is found once in each of the 26 verses. I like it. I like that little connection. I will say, when we make the show, it will be the monster energy symbol. (laughs) To, of course, represent 666, the number of the beast. Bottoms up and the devil laughs. (laughs) The devil laughs. I was really hoping one of you would remember that. I was like, are they going to get this? And y'all did, and I appreciate that. Yep. But yeah, what else about this episode that we want to touch on, talk about? Uh, Apparently, uh, Jensen did his own stunts during the demon fight. Very nice. That's cool. It's pretty cool. And he had to prove he was worthy of the Mark of Cain. Um... So this episode was written by Robbie Thompson, and I I knew that without having to look because of how many references there are in it. Which, honestly, not as many as a usual Robbie Thompson episode, but it is still very, like, ha we made a Harry Potter reference. Ha ha ha, we referenced the Grinch. They didn't have Charlie to, like, fucking be a vehicle for that. Although I will say they did slip a lock and key 
uh, comic in there. That's what Tara's reading mm-hmm. when you come into the store. Named after Tara Larson. Ooh. Yeah, so Robbie's there. He's he's a uh, he's sharpening the um the the reference knife. Yeah. Making those references. He's got this. He's just saving him up for next time. So I'm pretty sure recently um, we found out that like plot keywords exist. And I want to go over some of the plot keywords as tagged on IMDb for this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, because these are fun. Some of these are hilariously specific. Rapid healing. Three rings syringe. Talking to wife's grave. Shucking corn. <laughs> Reference to Abel, the son of Adam. Death of wife. Year 1863. Human demon team. Female hunter. Woman wears a tank top. Woman holds a shotgun. Name calling. Map of the United States. The fact that there's a map of the United States is a fucking tag on IMDb. I love this fucking site. <laughs> Why don't I spend more time on IMDb? I think that's the real question. I'm surprised there isn't a tag where it's like, Demon mentions that a woman peels off, that he peeled off a woman's skin. So I want to talk real quick about why I think this episode is kind of fanficy. Um, I think the pulpiness feeds into that a lot. I think that uh, there's something fanficy in like the way that Dean kills. He kills three demons at once. He takes them on and he fights them. He's the best murderer ever. Um. I don't know. It just this feels like a very fanficy season to me. Kind of a fanficy episode. Yeah, the uh, the converse the conversation in general with Tara was also felt very like fanficy because it was just like Winchester. I fucked your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and also, your like, dad's gonna I, be so upset when he finds out you're fucking a demon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There was just something like very kind of stilted and off about that interaction. Yeah. Like, I I did not care about Tara whatsoever. Oh no. Um, she was just like, oh, it's a quirky. It's another quirky hunter <laughs> that also had sex with John Winchester one time. People need to stop fucking John Winchester. They end up dead eventually. Yeah. Um, I gotta say. I also didn't give a shit about Tara. Also, Kane sure as shit knew a lot about Dean. Well, yeah, he's his great, 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 great grandfather. I think he missed a few. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's right. Actually, I I think I... You think he went over, well, maybe actually. I missed a few. 
what's the thing the the beginning of humanity is only what like 20 grandmas away something like that yeah i um will go ahead and say this i appreciate the fact that kane keeps up on his great great many times great grandchildren yeah and that he's heard what's a fucking badass dean is and how he can absolutely take on 10 million demons at once. You know what would have know. been, like, way cooler? What? If Crowley had to explain who Dean was, if if Kane didn't know who Dean was. You know what? That would have been... I would have liked Crowley kind of acting as Dean's wingman to Kane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also would have liked the um, if Dean had gone up to Kane and been like, "You're Kane." Thought you were taller. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Even though Timothy Almason is taller than. <laughs> Thought you'd be taller. He's probably taller than fucking and then, Beard. Timothy Almason says, "You know, I get that a lot." <laughs> yeah. Um. Apparently, this part for Kane was written specifically for our friend Tim. I knew that, and also, good to know, you know? Thanks. Thanks, Supernatural writer Robbie Thompson. And, apparently, Supernatural and Psych share extras often because they were filmed in the same place. I think we, I mean, the episode recently, when Cass got his grace back, there was a Psych um, actor in it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, also, one of the scenes where Dean is fighting a demon, that demon is Jensen's stunt double. Hey, we're out of demons. Can you come, uh, come be a demon for us, please? <laughs> I will go ahead and say this. Um, you know, you've kind of turned me around on this episode. A little bit, kind of. It's it's got some fun stuff going on. Eh. Honestly, I think specifically the Dean and Crowley plot, the a plot of this episode, is what I liked the most. Yeah. Crowley and Dean bopping around trying to find a magic item so they can take down their worst enemy. Abaddon. Like the honestly, the common enemies trope is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a fun one. Also, I kind of I, I like Crowley so much, and I kind of like how he's just like, yeah. I mean, we're kind of friends at this point, you know. Yeah, and you know what? He's kind of right. There's only so many times you guys can threaten to kill each other and then not actually do it and not be friends. You know? Yeah, for like real. Like, if I found out two episodes from now that Crowley, Dean, and Sam have, you know, girls' nights, I would not be completely shocked. I like Crowley as the token evil teammate. He is a good role for it. Basically, I kind of want Sam and Dean to chill out about him, you know? Instead of being yeah. like, I'm going to kill you next time I see you, Crowley. They're like, 
Oh, you. You betrayed us again? Oh, I can't stay <laughs> mad at you, Crowley. <laughs> I- I'm going to give this episode a B minus. Yeah, that's a fair grade. Um, would you guys like to hear some reviews? Hell yeah. So the, for the reviews of this one are pretty popular. I think the lowest review is... Um, this one I'm going to read right now. Good episode, but sometimes the stupid thing take over. It is a good episode, but sometimes the stupid things take over. And they mainly stick. Why Tara shoots her own floor, for example, I never know. It was just stupid and very irritating. Four out of ten. This guy was like, good episode. So he did Until. (laughs) Yeah. Tara shot her floor. And I bumped it down from a ten to a four. It lost more than half the points I could give it on a review. It it lost as many points as whole she shot into her floor. Yep. Um, here's a 10 out of 10 review. Kane is awesome. Well, Kane is awesome. I really enjoy the Bible cameos. And as I feel this episode was very well received, hopefully that means the show will continue to do this in the future. Kane absolutely destroying the demons and turning out to be a trainer and downfall of the Knights of Hell were great. I wish they could have shown Kane destroying an entire house full of demons, but it was good the way it was regardless. I'm a little bummed that Crowley wasn't actually scared of Kane, and I hope Kane comes back and gives Crowley something to be scared of. The first blade was found and lost quickly, quite quickly, but I have a feeling the mark is going to be a big problem for Dean in the future. 10 out of 10. What do you think about it? Do you think uh, the mark's going to be a big problem for Dean in the future? Well, Kane did say that there's, uh, it comes with a price. Yeah. And I think the price is going to be that Dean is going to be even more of an asshole now. I think the price is going to be the cost of a two-for-one meal at Chili's. <laughs> See, I think the cost is going to be $69 a month. Bam! Nice. $69 I, a month? That's fucking steep for a subscription service. Yeah. Yeah. I better be getting some some primo free trade coffee along with my demon mark. that allows me to kill everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be like, uh, like carrying the one ring or having a horcrux inside you or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also recently watched the Lord of the Rings. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to affect his personality in some way. Uh, I don't know. I, you know what, Travis? I disagree. I think it'll be awesome and cool that we should not worry about it. You know, yeah, baby. Boom. Boom. Okay, so real talk, um, the Mark of Cain is actually one of my least favorite things on this show. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, but we'll get to why later, at a later date. Um, so the cool. person who wrote the 4 out of 10 review also wrote a review for the show Manifest, and I just want to read it real quick. Oh, God. It's titled, Too Much Drama. 
If you're willing to go through all the melodrama, then it might be the show for you. Know that it is 95% melodrama. Anyways, I gave up after episode 5. Too much irritation for me. NBC cancelled it for a reason. And I love this. I also love the review of Nobody. It's a funny movie, but completely ridiculous. But that's okay. If you like entertainment, this is the movie for you. If you like profound movies, this is clearly not for you. I feel like this person is a robot. I like this person as a reviewer. Why? I love their review of Manifest, which is a drama show that has too much drama. It's like going to the ocean and complaining about all the water everywhere. Fucking A. The Tomorrow War. Don't think, but enjoy. Don't expect a good story. It is, of course, completely nonsensical. People can't travel to the future to fight a war. But above all, enjoy a nice movie without having to think about it. If you do, then uh, no fun movie night. I'm obsessed with this person reviewing things. Also, they've been a member for nine years, and they have a plus one lifetime total, which is a badge you can get. Hmm. Yeah. For your IMDb contributions. Damn. I'm telling you, IMDb is the social media website of the future. (laughs) They definitely seem to think so. Facebook what? MySpace who? who? Tumblr Panama. It is all about IMDb. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm putting stock in it. Buying, Can't wait uh, to get my IMDb. VR headset to become part of the IMDb metaverse. Yes. I'm going to buy an IMDb NFT. <laughs> I'm going to put I'm going to put Doja Cat coin into IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there Nan? Why isn't there Nan Cat Core or Nan Cat Coin? I can't talk. Because ultimately, I'm sure the there internet is. is a bad place for awful people who don't deserve good things. Fuck it, eh? But they get but them anyway. It is also a wonderful place for great people who deserve everything. But you know, there is a Neon Coin. Hey, yes, cool. I mean no. Oh. Um, I think we should end this episode the way we began it. By which I mean. The way we end every episode. No, what? I didn't Great. I didn't mispronounce anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Travis, the next episode is called Sharp Sharp Teeth. Which I'm sure will be fine. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. (laughs) It's a Garth episode. (gasps) It's a Garth episode? Yeah, what's it about? Okay, so Garth and Dean... And Crowley are gonna fight a kraken. <sighs> Keep dreaming for that kraken episode, buddy. Oh, I know. I also that'll hope never it happen. Yeah. The kraken thing comes from him in the episode. Tara's like, "There's a ritual to find the first blade, but uh, you need cr- essence of kraken, and I've never had access to that." And Crowley's like, "Oh, I've got a whole warehouse full of kraken." And he goes and gets it. But I wanted to see a Kraken. I wanted them to have to milk a Kraken. And then Crowley comes back with a box and it just has a letter in it. And then when Tara opens the letter, it says, Kraken D's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite part of the episode. I forgot to mention that earlier. Hey, buddy. I don't think we're going to have a Kraken anytime soon. I don't think it's in the budget. You know? Probably not. Damn. 
This is, I mean, what a shame. 2014 basically passed Supernatural's heyday. I don't think they got the budget for that kind of shit. They can barely afford actors outside of Vancouver. Yeah. And also technically never made a profit ever. That's true. <laughs> That's something we, okay. So there's been some Supernatural slash CW news, and I'm sorry we didn't talk about it earlier in the episode. Now we're mentioning it. Um, turns out the CW has not made a profit ever. I No, actually, I think in their very first year they did. Really? Yeah. Okay, but, great. But then every year after that it's has been, just been. Since 2006, none. it has been all downhill or barely breaking <laughs> even. Holy Hol- shit. Holy shit. What a, hey, capitalism, what a silly economic system, you know? What a goofy, <laughs> right. what a silly, goofy thing. What a it, nonsense network. It does not make any sense. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, God. I just... I Does that make me happy? Kind of? There, there are some people that cite the fact that Supernatural never uh, catered to its LGBTQ audience. Yeah. As to why it never made a profit. I... Okay. Y'all know I hate queer baiting as much as the next person. I don't think that's true. No, it's probably not. I'm, I think it was something someone said on dis, uh, TikTok to start discourse. Yeah, probably. I think, you know what? You know why I think the CW has never made a profit? I think it's mostly because their television shows aren't very good. Yeah. Also, it's just really expensive to, like... I mean, I don't, I don't know. I imagine like the the rise of streaming networks and the fall of cable probably have something to do with it. They also came about during the time of prestige TV. You know, are you really going to watch mm-hmm. fucking Riverdale over Game of Thrones, that sort of thing? Um, although I will say, and you know, I don't like to, to compliment Riverdale. But I have more confidence in Riverdale sticking the landing than Game of than Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like at this point, I'll believe that the Riverdale writers will actually make a satisfying ending for Riverdale over what the Game of Thrones writers did for Game of Thrones. I have a question about that. What? Let Let's say, did Game of Thrones and Riverdale start at the like the same year? Um, I actually don't know. Those that was just a CW show I could remember that wasn't Supernatural, and a prestige TV show I could remember that also but wasn't Supernatural. This is a pure Game of Thrones started in 2011. But let's say they did. Let's say both Riverdale and Game of Thrones did at the start. And I'm not yeah. really necessarily a fan of either of these shows. But let's say back in 2011 we were having this conversation and we were just sitting around and like, you know what? We were just like trying to project or predict the future. And somebody asked the question, which is going to have the better ending of Riverdale or game of Thrones after the first season? Oh, I definitely would have said game of Thrones. Yeah. 100%. See, that's, yeah. Exactly, right? But seeing as how we've already seen how Game of Thrones has ended, I feel like that's a lit a fire under a lot of 
people's asses to make sure that their show ends on a satisfying ending. An ending can ruin a television show. Yeah. As oh, yeah, we have for seen sure. and said before. Yeah. People well, and I don't think Game of Thrones was the... I think Game of Thrones is the most recent in a line of shows with terrible endings. Oh, yes. You haven't seen the Supernatural ending yet, my friend. <laughs> God damn it, Ari. <laughs> um, I've forgotten about it. But, okay. but I mean, like, obviously Lost comes to mind. Yeah. How, I Met, How I Met Your Mother comes to mind. Yeah. But I think I think those endings are a little different because like people still watch Lost and How I Met Your Mother, and I'm not saying that there aren't people who are out there not watching Game of Thrones. I'm saying that the Game of Thrones ending is so bad it collectively wiped the public's memory of it. Oh yeah, yeah the uh, the ending of Game in Th- Game of Thrones dismantled itself from the zeitgeist. Yes. And I think what it is, and I'm saying this as somebody who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, but I think what it is is that How I Met Your Mother, Lost, Supernatural, all of those endings are written by people who care about the the endings that they were writing. They're mm-hmm. still bad mm-hmm. endings, but there's a difference between like somebody putting together a final project to the best of their ability, but not having like all the tools they need to make it sell and somebody already having another project to move on to. So they just slap something together, which is what happened with Game of Thrones. I have heard. Mm -hmm. So apparently they thought they were going to be able to move forward and do the Star Trek thing. And so they were like, we got to wrap this up. And, uh, yeah. For sure. So. Well, speaking of wrapping things up. <laughs> <laughs> like a fancy Christmas present. Bam. Lay tits now. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you're listening to this episode of Hey Aspa, we love you. And we want you to come back and listen some more. And hey. If you weren't aware, we have social media and a Patreon. Da, 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 da. So our social media at Habcast on Twitter and Instagram. And hey, Aspen, a supernatural podcast on Facebook. And then you can also find our Patreon, patreon.com slash Habcast, where for $1 a month you gain access to our Discord. For $3 a month you gain access to the other show we do, Let's Check Ass, a supernatural podcast. Uh, or a bonus show where we watch things that supernatural actors have been in that are not supernatural. Most recently, we did A Christmas Prince 2. Uh, and it was delightful. And we all had a good time, and we all loved the movie, and we didn't shit talk. <laughs> um, who knows what we're going to come out with in January, but I'm sure it'll be also delightful and also something we definitely won't shit talk. Until next time, have fun! And don't die. Bye! Bye.